0: Thank you for listening to the Competition Committee Podcast, where we make sports more fun for the fans. Check out new podcasts every Thursday. Welcome inside the Competition Committee Podcast. I am your host, Parker. Joining me as always is JJ. and. Previous episodes, we've been coasting a little bit, but this episode, we've got our foot on the gas. So we've got some quick hitters to share with you guys. We'll play a game called High Leveraged Over Under, discuss an alternative approach to the transfer portal, review an email, and give out our bold predictions. Before we jump right into our quick hitters, let's bring in our third committee chair, Johnny. Big game coming up against the 49ers this weekend. Who do you think will fare? Eagles versus 49ers.
1: Well, I mean, what kind of Eagles fan would I be if I thought the 49ers were going to beat us? So we'll get into that when we talk about our, our hot picks for the week. Okay. But I think the Eagles are going to find a way to win this one too.
0: All A little teaser there. Well, let's jump into our first quick hitter. I think we've given up on the ability to keep it within 120 seconds, but we're going to give it another shot here. Our first quick hitter is talking about how the NFL QBs, are they too important to their teams? We've got some teams that had very good quarterbacks, playoff teams, they've lost their quarterback, and now they're potentially not playoff teams. So is this a problem for the NFL? Is this a good thing for the NFL? What's what's y'all's take on this?
2: Well, I guess the first thing is to think about how important quarterbacks really are. It's it's about the only team sport where losing one person, and it's only a quarterback, can completely change the outlook of your season. I mean, look what happened to the Jets. The Jets lose Aaron Rodgers. They go from what everyone thinks is a playoff contender to one of the worst teams in the league. The Bengals, who are coming back after their quarterback, Joe Burrow, was hurt early in the season. They're coming back, and they're on a winning streak. He gets hurt and suddenly it looks like they're not going to make the playoffs. You've got the same kind of problem in Minnesota. Where else have we lost a quarterback that made a difference? Titans. Yeah, the Titans. So the Titans lose their quarterback. You've got a you've got a team that is a multiple hundred million dollar annual operation, and it hinges on one person. It seems that Like no other sport and no other event, one person can make such a big difference.
0: Well, they got the ball in their hand almost 100% of the time. And that one person is going to be mostly responsible for the progression of the ball, the fumbling of the ball, the turnover of the ball, the scoring of the ball, just because they have the ball so much in their hand. Similar to that, I guess close would be the point guard of the NBA. They're the distributor, they're bringing the ball up, and they're passing it off to a scorer. So they're not as important, but I think the player with the most amount of time with the ball in that particular sport is going to be the most valuable.
2: I guess I would argue the difference between your number one point guard and your number two point guard is a small fall off. I mean, it's hard to say in percentages, but it might be, they might be fifteen percent not as good. But when you see quarterbacks, the difference between your starting quarterback and your second string quarterback can be an efficiency of 50% or something. I think the position is so difficult and so very few people can play it well that when that there just aren't enough people that can play it well, and you end up with people who haven't had the ball in their hands and they're trying to run this hundreds of millions of dollars operation, and they just can't do it. I don't know what the NFL can do, but I think they do have a problem.
0: It's sort of a problem, but it's also contributing to the popularity of the sport. I mean, almost the majority of their stars of the league are quarterbacks, and they're marketing off these big names. You know, some people might say it's a problem, but, you know, these big names are drawing in viewers to to watch these games. I mean, no one's tuning in to watch the Josh Dobbs Vikings versus the Zach Wilson Jets on a Thursday night football game, but they're going to tune in to watch Mahomes versus Josh Allen or Mahomes mm-hmm. versus Jalen Hurts. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I mean, you look at some of these these teams, I mean,
1: that is really what they're known for. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is, is basically like the face of the NFL now, right? I mean, he is so popular. I don't know how you would get around that, given the, the nature of the sport. I mean, you look at how complicated these offenses are, how long it takes you to learn the playbook, to get in sync with the wide receivers. I mean, I don't know how else you do it.
2: Well, this, this is interesting. Let's go back and look at the 1972 Dolphins. I bring them up all the time. 1972 Dolphins had a Pro Bowl quarterback, Bob Greasy, He got hurt early in the season, about game three, and Earl Morrill Morrill came in. He, at the time, was the oldest quarterback to ever play in the NFL, led them to an unbeaten season. That's the kind of thing that can't happen anymore because the quarterback has become too important. I don't know how we fix it. I do think it's a problem, and I'd almost argue, Parker, that your point proves it's a problem because in New York – the Jets are not as popular as they should be because they lost their quarterback. Cincinnati's not as popular as they should be because they lost their quarterback. So the fact, the very fact that they are the face of the league also means that losing them is that much more, more damaging.
0: All right, moving on. Quick hitter number two. This past Sunday night football game, we had the absence of Chris Collinsworth. Some would call him a little creepy, and he was subbed in for somebody who was a little bit even more creepier than him, Jason Garrett. I don't know if you guys ever have seen him. Anytime he says something, he quickly stares at the camera and gives a really strange smile that makes me feel uncomfortable. But he did not do very well in substitution for Chris Collinsworth, and there's some strange reasonings as to why he wasn't there on the Sunday night football game. A excuse that was thrown out by Mike Tirico was he had to spend some more time with his family after missing Thanksgiving. There was another interesting story about how he had to get rid of $800 worth of fish he accidentally bought for Thanksgiving. Just some strange things going on. Is there there more to this story? Is it just simply he just needed more family time?
2: Well, more family time is what everybody says when they step away from sports. I need to spend more time with my family. That might well be true. I think that the fact that he accidentally bought $800 worth of fish is really, really funny. And that shows up. <laughs> fish stink. And it shows up in your house for Thanksgiving. And all of a sudden you're telling the kids and the grandkids, we don't have turkey this year. We have fish.
0: I mean, I can understand accidentally buying 20 maybe maybe $100 by accident. But how do you accidentally buy $800 worth? Has that ever happened to anybody?
1: I mean, I will say this, though. I mean, I don't know what this guy makes, but I'm guessing $800 is not going to break the piggy bank. I'm betting this is a guy who might go to New York City and spend $400 on a meal or, you know what I'm saying, whatever. I mean, I'm just saying for instance. So I think it's got to be more to that than just the fish. I I mean, I know enough people I could give some fish away. Right. I mean, <laughs> you don't have to eat all the fish yourself. I mean, it isn't like, you know, you can't buy a turkey now because he spent the 800 on on fish. So, got to be more to it.
2: Jason Garrett was awful. I mean, he wasn't a very good coach mm. and he was terrible as the commentator. I, I started listening to the game and didn't know, know who it was. And I thought, where's Collinsworth? I really don't like this guy. I don't know why you think Collinsworth is creepy because I think he's a great commentator. I think he's a great commentator. He's just he's just a little creepy. He's got
0: that, now here's a guy. He just kind of gives <laughs> you that little old creepy Uncle Charlie kind of act to him. And He's a great commentator. I like him. He just kind of gives off a little bit of creepy vibes. I,
2: I think if you're an older guy, the worst thing you can get called is creepy because you can't undo yeah. it.
0: <laughs> now here's a guy. All righty. <laughs> Let's go to our last quick hitter here. Deion Sanders, the notorious coach of the Colorado Buffalo. He finished the season four and eight. And last year, his team finished the season one and 11. So a pretty decent improvement from last year. Would y'all consider this a success or a failure? Granted, they did start the season three and oh. They were the most hyped team in September. Everybody was tuning in to watch their games. But quickly, they lost their star wide receiver for a few games. They started losing some games. People started to tune out. They're even starting to lose some of their recruits. So even finishing the year 4-8, and do you all consider this a success for Deion
2: Sanders, Colorado Buffalo? I'll say it was a resounding success. The Colorado Buffalo team had no hype, no energy, and no interest. He sold out every home game. It's the first time since 1996 that every home game's been sold out. They were on national television. National television even put them on at some unique times so they didn't have to go against other games. If you remember early on in the season when they were still winning, they were playing at midnight on the East Coast, and people were staying up and watching him. So he gave the fans something to cheer for. He brought 48 transfers in onto that team. They didn't win as much as he expected to win, but he brought hype. He brought interest. He brought excitement. I mean, it's college football. Not everybody can win.
0: Here's a problem that they're going to face next year. Colorado as a school – and more specifically for their athletic department, they don't have a lot of money. And there was a story that came out that they're having trouble or having to find unique ways to pay his coaching contract just because they don't have the funds just available. But kids are starting to decommit from this school, mainly because they were losing some of the games towards the end of the year, but also they don't have a lot of the NIL money to hand out. And we can – Talk about this later on in the show when we get to the alternate approach to um, the transfer portal. But they are starting to lose some high-level recruits that are decommitting, frankly, because they don't have the NIL funds to compete against the big schools. So, yes, this year was a success. They have a lot of hype around them. But how well they will do next year, we'll have to wait and see.
2: Well, from what I understand, it's hard to get linemen, good linemen, In the transfer portal, what you get is star players. Linemen aren't star players. They had a lineman problem. There's some challenges in Colorado. Colorado can't recruit in state because they don't have enough good high school programs. There, the kids in Colorado don't play football. They do other things, and there aren't enough of them. There's not going to be enough NIL money just because Colorado is an isolated state. You know, it is in the middle of nowhere. It's hundreds of miles away from other big cities or other big states. However, if you are the athletic director for the for the university University of Colorado, is that right? Mm-hmm. The University of Colorado, you had a success because you got interest in your program. You have boosters who are interested. I mean, you're not going to be making the playoffs probably ever. But if you can keep people excited, you had a successful year. And if you can get to 500 and start making bowl games, you'll have a successful program.
0: Right. I think, you know, coming off a one and eleven season, if they would have told Colorado you're going to finish the year four and eight, they would take that for sure. So, I do think it's a success, and we'll just see how they do next year. We will take a quick break. When we come back, we will play high leveraged over under.
2: Parker, you're really energized today.
0: Well, of course I am. I just watched the new Van Halen Hot for Teacher video on MTV. MTV. I want my MTV.
2: I've wrestled away the mic again, and we're going to play a game of high leverage over under. You guys know the rules, and our listeners are real smart. Johnny. Pick a number from one to eight. Let's go with number seven. Number seven. Johnny, how many cheerleaders are on the 2023 Dallas Cowboy cheerleading squad? How many cheerleaders? Oh, wow.
1: Now, if memory serves me correct, they tend to have more than your typical squad. So I'm going to say, JJ, that I don't want to give Parker too much of a chance to steal this thing. I'm going to leverage a two, and I'm going to say that they have 40 cheerleaders on their
2: squad. 40. That is incorrect, as, of course, we would expect. Parker, what do you think? Over or under?
0: Okay. I think I'm trying to remember the last time I went to a game, if it's, like, 12 on one side, 12 on the other, or if they do, like, Oh, mercy. Yeah, I'll stick with that. I'm going
2: to go under. You are going to go two under, and you are correct. There are 36. Yes. <sighs> nice. Parker, one day, don't pick seven. Love it. I'll take eight. Number eight. Ron Harper has the best winning percentage in in the postseason in NBA players. Let me read that again to make sure you understand it. Ron Harper has the best winning percentage in the postseason of NBA players, and that's players with at least 40 games. He played 112 postseason games. How many of those postseason games did he win?
0: Get my calculator out of here. Good old Ron Harper. 120 games he played.
2: No, 112.
0: Oh, okay. I will say um, he won 78 of those. 78. And leverage it, and I'm going to leverage it a one.
2: One. You are incorrect. Johnny, do you think he won more games than that or less games than that? Less games than that, JJ. Less games. You're going to go under. And that unfortunately is incorrect. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. That is correct. That is correct. I said it wrong. Ooh. It is correct. Ooh. So you have one. Did
1: I mention I was leveraging that a four? <laughs>
2: this this is one of these that doesn't hardly seem doesn't hardly seem fair to Parker. Parker guessed 78, he won 77. That was amazingly close.
0: I was going for 69 to 70% of the games he won, which would be that number.
2: <laughs> okay. That's pretty darn close. Okay. So hopefully, I'm not going to mess this up. So let me write this down. So you've leveraged it. You've used a two so far. And Parker, you've used a one. Johnny, pick one to six. One to six. I'm going to go with um, a six, please. Six. The snowiest NFL game ever was played. The snowiest NFL game ever was the Bills hosting the Colts on December 10 of 2017. How many inches of snow fell during the game? Uh, that was pretty darn close to 12 inches, JJ. 12 inches. What would you like to leverage you leverage it? You have a one, three, or four. I'm going to be bold on this one and guess a one. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> okay, that is incorrect. Parker, do you think there are more or less than that? I'm gonna go
0: less and say that was seven feet of
2: snow. Wait, he said twelve inches. Oh, sorry. <laughs> seven inches out. Wait, okay.
0: No, wait a minute. He, he guessed 12 feet. No, no, no. No, okay. no sorry.
2: So you're saying I thought <laughs> you said you're saying under. You don't sorry. actually have to guess the number. You're just saying under, correct? <laughs> yes. Okay. You are right. It was nine inches of snow. So I would have guessed that to be much higher than that. Yeah. Especially playing in Buffalo. So the score as it stands right now is Parker three, Johnny one. Oh, but it's an uneven amount. Let's not record. Let's, I will not report the score right now. Parker one to five.
0: Give me two.
2: Two. Johnny's going to hate this. Hate this that he didn't get it. In 1934, the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Cincinnati Reds by the largest winning margin in NFL history. How big was the margin?
0: I thought we were playing high leverage, true or false. I was about to say that's a false statement. I'm going to leverage this a two here and guess the margin was.
2: Seventy-four points. Seventy-four. It was definitely less than that. Definitely less. You're going to go under, and you are correct, Johnny. It is was 64 points. So, Dang it. Now the score is, in fact, tied three to three. Johnny, pick okay. one, three, four, or five. Let's go to number one. Number one. The 76ers... The 76ers hold the record for the longest losing streak in the NBA. How many games did they lose in a row? Why, J.J., that would be pretty close to 45 games. 45 games. That, of course, is incorrect. Oh, I'm... <laughs> well, you knew it was going to be incorrect anyway. You want to leverage it at three or a four. <laughs> no one ever gets them right.
0: Lowest as possible, three.
2: Okay. Leveraged a three, incorrect. Think it's more than that or less than that, Parker?
0: It's got to be way less than that. It's, I, I feel, If I could throw a guess out there, I was going to say 27.
2: You're going to say under?
0: Yeah, under around 27. You
2: are extremely good at this game. It was 28. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I am so impressed. <laughs> okay, Parker, three, four, or five? Four, please. Number four. Bart Starr, not Tom Brady, has the best postseason winning percentage of any NFL quarterback playing at least 10 postseason games. How many of the 10 postseason games he played did he win?
0: I'm going to leverage this a four because I'm I'm feeling in the groove here. And I'm going to say he won eight of those 10.
2: Eight of those 10. That is incorrect. Johnny, do you think he won more than eight or less than eight? A
1: smart man would go with the odds and bet lower. But, you know, I've never been accused of being too terribly smart. <laughs> Bart Starr was the man. I say he was either nine or ten, so I'm
2: going higher with four. And you are correct. He won oh. He won nine for a 90% winning percentage in postseason. And Brady won 40 out of 52, which is 77%, which is astounding when you think about it. 40 out of 52. (laughs) Okay, I'm having a hard time keeping the score, keeping the score straight right now, but Johnny is winning by one. Johnny, pick three or five. Let's go with number five, JJ. Number five. The Sacramento the Sacramento Kings are the oldest team. I'm sorry. The Sacramento Kings are the oldest team starting this NBA season. What is the average age of the player, rounded to the nearest year? Wow. All right, JJ. I'm going with 27. 27. That, of course, you are leveraging this a four because that's oh, all I you left. have. Four. A four. Okay. That is incorrect. Parker, do you think the average age is over twenty-seven or under twenty-seven?
0: That was a good number to throw out, Johnny. I'm going to go over twenty-seven and say twenty-nine.
2: It is twenty-nine. So, wow, Parker, good job. Let me see if I'm, I'm so confused.
0: So I get four points it, in that
1: yes. interesting strategy. To this game because I thought it was higher than twenty-seven. But I'm like, well, I don't want to make it too easy for Parker in case I overshoot. You know, it's like. Right.
0: 27 was a good number. The
2: Thunder is the youngest team at 23.1 years. Wow. All right. Good game, Parker. Well, no. Parker still has one more. So, Johnny still has a chance to. Oh, I can steal. Okay. I think Johnny I think Johnny I still be. has a chance to tie the game. So, Parker, number oh, three. Okay. Yep. Dennis Miller is the forgotten color analyst on Monday Night Football in the early two thousands. How many games did he broadcast
0: on Monday Night Football?
2: Yes. Are you old enough to know who Dennis Miller is?
0: Oh, of course, he's my idol. No, he's not.
2: He was a comedian just, that they brought in to be the third chair in the- From SNL, right? Yeah. Or is that different? No, to Dennis it SNL.
0: I'm gonna guess he did it for. Three, two or three seasons. So let's see.
2: He broadcasted around 40 games. 40 games. That is incorrect. Johnny to tie the game. Do you think do you think he broadcast more than 40 or less than 40?
1: Unfortunately, Dennis Miller was great on Saturday Night Live, but I don't recall him being particularly good as a broadcaster, so I'm going to say he didn't make it that far. I think
2: less. You are correct. He he broadcast 32 games. I guess there are a lot of things that ought to change on this game. One thing is I should have a tie-breaking question, which I don't have. (laughs) The other thing that I ought to do is I ought to say if you're within 10%, you get it right. It just seems like when you're that <laughs> close. But what was interesting, he broadcast 32 games, which was two seasons. They actually had a double header to start Monday Night Football both of those seasons, but obviously he didn't broadcast both of them, so he just broadcast on one of them. And he wasn't very good. Uh, it was unfortunate. No, I remember <laughs> being disappointed. Okay, so we've got to tie a tie game. Thanks. We'll be right back after the break. Parker, we need to clean up this studio a little bit.
0: Yes, we do. Let me pull out the Electrolux vacuum. Electrolux vacuums. Nothing sucks like Electrolux. Alrighty, welcome back, everybody. We have a alternate approach to how we want to change the way the transfer portal is done in college football. I'm going to pass the mic to JJ, and he's going to explain this new proposed change. Take it away.
2: Well, I guess what I'm proposing is not a change to the transfer portal, but it's a change to the way some schools approach the transfer portal. And what I'm going to propose might not be completely legal in the NCAA rules, so you guys can shoot that part of it down, but it's an idea. Here's my idea. So, some schools are very active in the portal. Colorado, which we talked about earlier, you know, they had 48 transfers through the Porter, portal last year. Mm-hmm. It seems like the best players, or maybe more accurately, the second best players on all the college teams switch teams almost every year. They're moving for an opportunity to go someplace and play because they're behind somebody that's too good. They don't like the coach they have. They're not getting enough NIL money, maybe, not sure. But here's an alternate approach. So this wouldn't be the approach that teams like Georgia or Alabama or Michigan or Ohio take, but it might be the approach that a school like Vanderbilt or a school like Kentucky might take as a way to get more solid recruits and keep them in their program. Here's the idea. The schools go to the recruits. And they offer them a contract. And the contract has two sides to the contract. What the school commits to is we'll give you a specific or minimum specific number, specified number of minutes. They might say to the player, the first year you're on the team, we guarantee that you'll play 20% of the downs. Your sophomore year, we guarantee you'll play 30% of the downs and your Junior year will guarantee that you pay, play 50% of the downs for this position. So the player knows what he's going to get. The school also makes a commitment with NIL. They say, and this is the part that I'm not sure is legal. They say, here are the NIL people that we have lined up, and this guy and this guy and this guy want to, want to hire you for your name, image, and likeness, and this is how much they're going to pay you. And the third part that the school commits to is the school says, we promise that our coach will stay with the program for a certain number of years. They might say he will be there for two years or he will be there for three years. And that's what the school guarantees to the player to get the player to come to their program. What the player guarantee, what the player commits to is he says, I will play for whatever agreed specified number of years, probably three. He says, I agree that I will play for, for you for three years. If the school reneges on any part of their agreement, They don't give him the minutes. He doesn't get the NIL money. The coach leaves. Then he's free to leave to break his contract and go wherever he wants. So he just goes into the portal. But if the school keeps their commitment, the player keeps his commitment, then we have players staying with teams, staying with coaches, and maybe building programs that are on the second tier, just below the top programs, that can get better. What do you guys think?
1: So the problem, just so I understand, the problem we're trying to fix is that we have too many players that are leaving these programs, not staying for a number of years, and it's too hard to get a, a second, however you want to call it, a second tier program on track because too many players are leaving? Is that is that what I understand?
2: Well, I guess I would argue that that's part of the problem. The other part of the problem is there are just too many players changing programs every year. It's there are players who play for a different college every year. You can't even do that in the pros. You sign a contract and you stay with the team. You build a relationship. You build a fan base. None of that's – little of that is happening when as soon as a player is unhappy, he can leave. So he gives up that ability to leave, but the school also has to commit to treat him a certain way.
1: So what are the teeth in this proposal? Let's just say you're a- – star athlete, you're not getting the playing time you would like to get, but maybe the coach is technically following the rules of this contract. How would you stop this player from going and playing for another school?
2: That's the part I'm not sure is legal. You make them sign a non-compete clause. The non-compete clause says during this period, if these commitments are kept to you, you you cannot play for somebody else. I mean, there's non-compete clauses in industry all over the place.
0: Yeah. I I don't know if I'm on board with the committal of number of minutes to play. I mean, these are still kids that are still trying to learn the game. And especially in college, they're still trying to be coached. And just coming from a Georgia fan, you know, the way Kirby Smart does it, I mean, he rotates a lot of guys in and out. You know, if they're playing well, they're going to play more. If they're not playing well, they're not going to play as much. And I don't think... You know, a coach like Kirby Smart's gonna like the idea of, well, this guy is under contract and I'm gonna have to play him even though I don't want to, even though he doesn't deserve it. I guess since he's under contract, he needs to play sixty percent of the minutes. I have to throw him in there.
2: Kirby Smart's not gonna use this program. He's gonna stick with the program he's got because he has the best first string players and the best second string players. And the best third string players are the ones who are kind of leaving him and he's okay with that because he's got the best first and second. He's not going to use this program, but programs like Kentucky are going to be able to steal some of those players that would have gone to Georgia, but not started and, and take them to Kentucky or to Vanderbilt or one of these other schools and maybe build a program that way and get the, get those, those second steer, second Tier or third tier players a chance to get exposure and maybe make it to the NFL where they couldn't at Georgia because they're just playing behind somebody that's too good.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. We're gonna vote on it.
2: So let's ignore the fact that it might be illegal. <laughs> <laughs> it might not legally work. <laughs> I know that. Uh, I know that uh, no compete clauses are extremely hard to enforce, almost impossible. <laughs> so. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that another thing that I was trying to wrap my head around is telling players how long the head coach is going to be committed for. I mean, that I, I feel like that would be a hard thing to set in stone. I mean, some of these – like Jimbo Fisher, I mean, he signed a huge contract for multiple years, and they just let him go just because of he wasn't getting the results the school needed. I mean, for that instance, they would just – well – even though we want you to be fired, we promised these players that you would be here for two more years.
2: When a coach leaves, either because he he's fired, or maybe maybe you make coaches sign true non compete clauses so that they can't leave and go to a better program. But when a coach leaves, leaves, if you are this school that has this arrangement, you lose all you lose all tie to your players. Maybe they stay, maybe they don't, but they don't have to stay. So, again, I'm saying that not all schools do this. 15, 20, 30% of the schools take this approach. Everybody else stays with the portal.
0: Okay. All right. Well, let's vote. I'll start. I, I do think something needs to be changed as far as how this transfer portal thing works. I like the idea of a contract style where players have to commit for a certain amount of years. I'm not sure if this specific example would work but i like the idea of it so i'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. Johnny
1: You know kind of with you Parker i like the idea i like the concept behind it i'm just not sure they're going to be able to enforce no non-compete contracts on these players or on the coaches so i think in theory it would be a great idea i think making it work is going to be tough so i'm going to say i'll give it i'll give it an 8 i like the idea i'm just not sure it's In the real world, it'll fly.
2: Okay, well, I'm going to do something completely out of character. I thought of the idea, tried to make it work, can't make it work in my head. I'm going to give it a four. I don't think it's that good of an idea. (laughs) (laughs) I think that that gives us an average of six, so it doesn't go anywhere.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, we are not sending this to the NCAA. We will take another quick break. When we come back, we'll dig into an email and give out our bold predictions.
2: Parker, where'd you get that matching shirt and pant?
0: I went to the mall and picked them up at Chess King. Chess King. Think about it. The world on your mind, the music on your mind, Chess King on your body. Ready, we have an email from Amani from Chicago. She writes Gentlemen, let's address a trend that nobody is talking about waving hello and goodbye. My son is almost a year old now, and he isn't doing something that I thought all babies did. He is not waving bye bye when we leave the presence of others. So I looked around and noticed that almost no one waves when they greet or leave others. When did waving disappear? More importantly, why did waving disappear? Interesting. I still am a big advocate of the waving game. I don't know why I haven't even noticed that this was going away.
1: I noticed it moving from a rural town to a kind of a smallish-sized city, that there's a whole lot less waving going on. But I, I, mm. I still... I'd be pretty confident that if I were living in a smaller town we'd see a a lot more waving, a lot more people paying attention to other people and and noticing people. But I guess the real question is, is you know, did anyone ever study pre-covid post-covid did that make a difference in terms of our soci- sociability if you will?
2: It seems like covid would have increased waving because it's a distance it's a distance activity you can do. But since we since I saw this email I started thinking about it and I think she's right. I think people are waving less. So I did what any good researchers would do. And that's uh, pulled up the Bing AI and asked them. And Bing AI gave me a whole lot of information about waving, but it did say there is no credible evidence that waving has decreased. So I guess our listeners should look around and see if they think people are waving less. And the other thing our listeners should do is send us some sports-related emails, and we won't read these from Amani and Ellis that make no sense at all.
0: Don't listen to them, Ellis. Keep sending us your emails.
1: And just a bit of advice for Amani. If you're living in a city like Chicago, you'd be better off teaching your kid to flip a bird than to wave. (laughs) He'll use it a lot more often.
0: Alrighty, speaking of being bold, let's transfer our attention to our bold predictions. Last week, we did not do very well. My bold prediction last week was the Seahawks defeating the 49ers on the money line. That was a no-go. They lost 31-13. to JJ, your bold prediction was the Atlanta Falcons, who you thought were going to have a lead in the fourth corner. Fourth quarter and
2: blow the lead in the fourth quarter. I said more than that. I said in the last half of the fourth quarter. And they had a lead in the fourth quarter of only three points. It looked like exactly what they normally do. Three points ahead, they lose the game. But they did something they don't normally do. They scored another touchdown, and they won by nine, I think, or ten. But so... I I was wrong on that. And, of course, we don't know what's going to happen with David's because David predicted something that's not going to happen until this coming weekend. But we can review Johnny's from two weeks ago because we couldn't last time because it was a Monday night. Johnny, how about yours?
1: Well, you know, let's just step back and look at this now. Perhaps I I went a little far with this prediction, right? But let's just think about this for a second. My prediction was Jalen Hurts runs for a touchdown, Eagles win, Eagles win by at least three, and um, A.J. Brown gets 100 yards plus a a passing TD. If I had just picked one receiver and just said one receiver for the Eagles will get 100 yards and a a receiving TD, I would be one yard short Mm. of this amazingly bold prediction. (laughs) Just think about that, guys. That would have been two money-making – Totally green picks, but um, anyhow, I'll have a better one
0: for tonight. So close, but yet so far.
2: So that puts the standing (laughs) at JJ 2, Parker 4, and the third chair 3, but the third chair still has an opportunity to make it 4 this weekend, if David's correct about Tiger Woods winning his own tournament tournament. Someplace in the islands. I can't remember. The Bahamas. It's in the Bahamas, right? The yeah.
0: Hero Challenge. All This week's bold predictions. JJ, start us off with your bold prediction.
2: Well, since I'm so far behind, I'm just going to double down. I'm going to take the same prediction I had last year or last week. I am going to predict the Atlanta Falcons will be ahead at the 7-minute and 30-second mark against the Jets and they will manage to lose to the Jets. Now, I'm not going to say how, but it's probably going to be the Jets' defense, probably going to be a pick six, something like that, because I'm sure not relying on the Jets' offense to beat the Atlanta Falcons. But that is my bold prediction, essentially the same one I had last week that I missed on.
0: I think that has a good chance since they did not do it last week. That is a good chance of happening this week. Johnny? Give me your bold prediction, sir, and say it nice and slow Whoa. so I can write it down and I can All put right. this into my draft. Surprise,
1: constraint. surprise. This will involve the Philadelphia Eagles. They will be playing the 49ers in the 430 game, 430 Eastern game this Sunday. So I think that the the guys in Vegas have it wrong. They have, for some reason, picked the 49ers to win. So clearly, I've got to say the Eagles are going to win. Okay. And margin is not great enough. The Eagles are going to win by seven. Oh. And not only are they going to win by seven, but Jalen Hurts gets a rushing TD. And uh, this time I'm going to say um, Swift is going to rush for more than 100 yards. Wow. <laughs> that's That's my combo pick, guys. This is it.
2: This is it. Campbell and David are beating their heads against their deaths when they hear this.
1: <laughs> Say, Why won't he-? Hey, I'm not the guy who picked Tiger Woods to win this
2: tournament. Come on. I have a lot better chance. <laughs> Parker, bring some sanity back to this. Uh,
0: well, this is not going to be much sanity because everybody and their mother is out on the Patriots this year. And for good reason, their quarterback has got the yips. He has lost all Complete confidence in himself. Who knows if Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi is going to be starting? But all I know is the Los Angeles Chargers are in disarray as well. Their coach is terrible. They're wasting away years of Justin Herbert. They are an LA team traveling from the West Coast to the East Coast playing a Bill Belichick team. I know maybe perhaps Bill Belichick doesn't have that same luster of a coaching menace, but. I think this is just a smash spot for the Patriots. We got a team traveling from the West Coast into the, you know, windy Boston, snowy, maybe rainy weather. This is going to be an extremely low scoring game. You know, the Patriots have been losing games like three to 10, zero to 10 past couple weeks, even though the Patriots might not score a lot of points. I don't think the Chargers are going to be scoring a lot of points. I think the Patriots are going to win this game on the money line, make it 13 to 6, 13 to 3 type of game. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be gross, but I do think the Patriots are going to come out on top in this game. So I'm taking the Patriots on the money line against the LA Chargers. And also, just because I'm feeling spunky from Johnny's bull prediction, not only do I predict the Patriots to win this game, (laughs) After the Patriots win this game, Brandon Staley is going to get fired after they lose. Brandon Staley going to be fired after this loss. So there we go.
2: One of the things about becoming an NFL coach is that you know how it's going to end. Someday you're going to get fired. Nobody retires from those positions. So maybe this Mm -hmm. week will be his week.
0: That is going to wrap up this week's show. Be a part of the competition committee by sending us your ideas for making sports more fun for the fans, or simply by pointing out a problem that needs to be fixed. Use the links in the show notes to reach us. We need your help to make the competition committee a community. Please text a few of your friends a recommendation and link to our show. It is this easy. Click the three dots in the upper right corner of your phone, select share, messages, type the name of three friends, and ask them to check out the show. That's all it takes. Thanks for joining us this week and look for our new episodes every Thursday.
2: The last thing I saw was that darn monkey trying to put the cork back in.